0: Rolling,
1: are we? You walked away, so I'm just gonna talk awkwardly while you get your coffee.
0: Uh, welcome to welcome to the USMNT podcast, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> where we talk about all USMNT things. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin.
0: Sorry, welcome to SDE podcast.
1: Rethinking self-directed education. Rethinking
0: self-directed educational
1: and innovating for the future. And
0: innovation for the future. <laughs> so we got some topics. We got a topic, one topic,
1: and then maybe a really spicy one later. A spicy on. one, yeah. Spicy.
0: I love spicy. Um, actually, I w- actually I don't. Okay.
1: That's fine. We don't have to.
0: No, no, no. It's just I don't. I was just thinking that. Okay, I did grow up with spicy food. It's not my favorite. I grew up Guatemalan, so it's a little different than Mexico.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. When we get burritos, you never want the spicy salsa.
0: Oh Now I've just, like...
1: Did I out you? I, you outed me. Sorry. I'm joking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, spicy topic at the end, maybe. Uh, so this one's uh, nudging, pushing... Supporting compared to coercing kids. At Um, least that's what the notes
1: say. maybe not the best description. Okay. I guess this has come up a lot uh, with parents, like in parenting circles, but it also super applies to SDE facilitation. Um, But especially with the pandemic, us being like... (laughs) A lot of us being more at home, not taking as many risks, um, not trying as many new things, maybe not being as social... For at least a year if not the last two and a half um it feels like there's a lot of people who are like my kid young people are having a hard time adjusting back into the world how much do i push them how much is this like collective trauma (laughs) response which it is how much is personality and then that's just in the context of the pandemic if we're not even thinking about the pandemic there's that ongoing question amongst like unschoolers and sd facilitators which is like when do i nudge or push and when do i just back off and say yeah you can quit anything or you don't have to try that and i think there's different uh camps of belief in both the sde center world and the parenting unschooling world so we might Might make some people frustrated with what we're saying, but you know, it's all our perspective and experiences and everyone has their own.
0: Yeah. The first thing that came up in my head was um, that at the school, we're dealing with a lot of like kids who are still coming there. They've had these, they've, uh, how do I put it? had sort of more like introverted habits going on mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic. And they come here and they sort of continue it. And some of the parents have come in like a little worried that they're not socializing as much or um, not engaging with the outside activities. And uh, we really, because ourselves, we, we also want to just for it to be normal. And especially like I want it to be like it used to be. We were always like it felt like there was always like constant engagement from everybody, and uh, now it's like a lot of kids on screens and just sort of being by themselves. And that question comes up a like, like, how far do we nudge? How far do we want them to come out of their shell? And there's like a lot of worry happening from the parents, um, and and I think at towards, I think we just got to that point, maybe collectively, maybe as definitely as facilitators, we're like. This is going to take some time Mm because the pandemic really like shut down things in terms of just engagement from everybody. We're sort of like our normal. uh, Yeah, it's just more normal not to engage. Um, So, yeah, that that question comes up a lot most recently. Um, And I sort of just kind of forgot what else I was going to (laughs) say, as always.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so different right now because of what we've gone through over two years.
0: Yeah, two years, yeah.
1: And there's, like, some people who were just, like, especially a lot of kids I hear about who were just miserable not being able to socialize. So now they're like, let me get out and see people. So they're having the opposite experience where they just, like, really want to jump in. Mm -hmm. But it feels like there's more people who are, like, tentative or it feels scary or yeah what you're talking about we don't really know how so we're on screens even when we're with other people and it just it feels like a coping mechanism
0: right, right. but
1: like maybe a super necessary one right now
0: yeah um i think as beings within within capitalism we're so used to needing to just switch because mm. it's um um probably that's where the worm comes is that we've had to adjust to changing things a lot as adults. And we're like, okay, well now we're doing this. Okay. Now we're not engaging. Okay. Now we're engaging and to our detriment, to our own, uh, emotional stability and, uh, mental health. We're, we're just so used to being forced to, uh, just change what we're doing, change our mentality and engage. And when our kids are not doing that, it's, it's like, that's where I think it comes from. Like, um, so I can, I can understand, I can understand that, especially when we're forced as a society to need to engage when we're not ready.
1: Yeah. But do you feel, do you feel like they're going to get there or do you feel like, like on their own, if you did nothing? if no adults were saying anything to them, do you think they would get there? Or do you think there is a level of conversation and support and even nudging and small steps that need to happen?
0: I think I really, I'm more of the camp where like the less we do, the more we can, um, no, I'm going to backtrack a little bit on that. Um, (laughs) not that the less we do, Mm. but I really think kids, uh, we need to, we really need to listen to them as far as how long it's going to take for them to get out. And um, the only thing we really need to do is um, be available. Mm. Um, but I don't know about nudging. I, I feel like if, what, what, is the, what is the definition of nudging, I guess? Yeah, that's where we need to figure out. Like for me, nudging is like, do you want to do A, B, or C? Or like, come on, let's just go out and do this fun thing, you know, sort of like be uh, uh, just happy-go-lucky. And I've gotten kids to come with me on things just mm-hmm. by be- by doing that. And that's what I would consider nudging. It's like, come on, let's it'll be fun, sort of like a friend thing. Uh, you know, your friends are going to do something, and and then you're like, no, I don't wanna. And just like, come on, let's just let's go on a bike ride somewhere. It'll be fun, you know. And then you know. That that's how it. That's my form of nudging, and maybe, but yeah, I think that's. I don't know about your form. (laughs) I
1: was thinking about the introvert extrovert dynamic, and you'll push me a couple times when I say no until you realize, I'm I really don't want to, Uh or you get me out and I'm happy to do it. (laughs) Right. So, it. Yeah, it's not just with kids. Um, I just I think there's, people in the SD world who would say don't suggest anything at all or once you hear like no i don't really want to then back off Mm -hmm. and i think nudging is like pushing a little bit further um suggesting and maybe not backing off the minute you hear like i don't really want to because there could be a thousand things going on like do you not want to right now because you're playing this cool game with your friends that happens in our house a lot right do you Not want to because it's raining. Are you scared about the outcome? Can I help talk you through your anxieties to make it feel more comfortable? Like there's so many different reasons it could be. Mm -hmm. And maybe they actually do want to, but it's easier to say no because the fear is overtaking.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And when you're younger, you have less experiences where you did something that felt uncomfortable or scary and it actually turned out okay. So I feel like sometimes younger people need to hear that reminder of like remember this does happen where it turns out okay because it's just there's less time that we've done that when we're younger
0: maybe a a good thing a perspective to have is that it's um you want to let them know that you enjoy being around them Mm -hmm. and that it's like a because when i say let's go it's not for me it's like maybe it's a little selfish but for me it's (laughs) like i i actually enjoy having you around and i think it'd be great if you joined us um and it's not this like i'm trying to make sure that your mental health is i mean yes i care about your mental health but for me it's like let's just be together cuz this is fun again the probably extroverted thing you know, it amongst, totally you know? Is.
1: i'm like but sometimes it's not fun <laughs>
0: i'm like it's fun all the time until i'm really tired and then i go to sleep and i wake up and i want to do it over again <laughs> That's, that's, I crash. That's my form of introversion.
1: <laughs> um, I think it's different when you don't have a relationship with the kids. Yeah, of course. Or if they're coming from like school or some other coercive system and all they've heard is adults telling them what to do and pushing. Right. And then I, I might not even suggest or I would, the first sign of no, I'm like, all right, that's all you because they have to learn that I actually do respect their no and their autonomy before they can trust me enough to like push a little bit.
0: Right. It's like really highly dependent on the children, on the child and what their experience is. It's Okay, now this is like as facilitators, that's we have to pay attention to all that. Like
1: That's like literally our whole job, right?
0: I keep thinking sometimes like uh, a little tangent just to be like, what do you do? I facilitate, you know, and it's like no, but I'm assessing all the freaking time what's going on with the kid where am I being too obstructive to them am I like actually uh am I in their way am I like do they want to be around me it's all these questions and it's uh doesn't get paid enough anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) not ever
0: where's my 401k and yeah I know um and it, it, I don't know, it's just, maybe that's the, that's the other, another topic for another
1: time. But Well, and then when all that works in your head, it doesn't necessarily look like you're doing any work externally. Like people don't see the productive side all the time because you're like constantly.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially for me, I stare blankly into that blue true. pillar. I'm just like, what is David doing today? <laughs> oh, He's just been sitting there for two hours, man.
1: <laughs> Thinking <you> about relationships <laughs> young people i think there's also you have to know how what your relationship is with them if you clash with a kid if all you've had is power struggles or negative interactions and you know someone else has a good relationship maybe it's time to tag that person and be like do you think this kid needs help do you want to talk with them and take yourself out of it because we all have people we aren't as good at being around and that could be younger people or older people or people are our own age. Like, I don't think we have to get along with every single kid, but we have to know when we don't mm-hmm. so that we're not the ones like pushing when the relationship isn't good.
0: Right. Right. hundred percent. Now I'm reminded of that spicy interaction that we may talk about later, but
1: <laughs> yeah, that,
0: per- that person certainly did not know how to do any of that. So,
1: I don't think that person knew kids at all.
0: But I don't think that person should be around kids. Agreed.
1: <laughs> I think the other thing, which is more like schooly, academic-y, is like if there is an offering or a class that the kid signs up for and they never show up. Or if kids never show up for offerings and the parents are like, I'd really like them to try one. Um, or like if you're at home and your kid isn't trying anything new, they're doing the same thing all the time. And Mm -hmm. they're not like, they don't want to try anything new. Um, How, like, how do you push them? Do you push them? What does that look like? And I think that's, that's on the more like, when we get in our schoolish mindset, like, oh, they should be taking this art class, or they should be doing this thing. But I think it is still something that feels important sometimes, especially if your kid's at home doing one thing all the time and it's their comfort zone and you're not sure if that is healthy for them or if it is a coping mechanism or response to our current situation or if it's actually what they want to be engaging in all the time.
0: I'm thinking of my own childhood where at one point in my life I didn't even go to school. Mm. I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. All I did was watch Roseanne. (laughs) (laughs) and that's all i did um i didn't play music that much um i guess i would have been considered you know i ate a lot of junk food or whatever and i think i would have been considered this kid is seems really depressed and not engaged and i'm not saying this is a case for everybody but why Roseanne was really interesting to me was because it was like, Oh, there's like these people who are like poor, but they're white. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
0: it's so funny that I just remember a lot of details about that show. And, um, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking also in art. Cause I do a lot of art. I'm a photographer, musician. I do a lot of, I'm doing this thing here, this podcast thing. And, and how my interest comes in waves, mm-hmm. and I'll just be doing just one thing. And so I'm just trying to, like, I'm not saying that these kids are not depressed or anything. They're just, you know, let them go. But for me, I think I would have felt like someone was nudging too hard mm-hmm. for me not to watch Roseanne. Right. <laughs> so, or like nudging too hard if I've just all I ever wanted to do is like I want to do this one particular art thing that I'm always doing because it's so interesting mm-hmm. and I can't you know there's the possibilities are endless in my head um yeah I was I mean I was hyper-focusing also right. but um you know and then I just never go back to it again <laughs> Uh, At one point, I was like, during the pandemic, I was all about Formula One racing. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, my roommate's like, wow, you really enjoy this. And I'm like, just all I wanted to do was figure out Formula One racing, like super foreign to me. And and then after two months, I was like, done. I couldn't even watch it no more.
1: (laughs) Well, I think there is a difference between like waves of things. And like, if you watched Roseanne by yourself for two or three years and nothing changed I would start to get really worried about you Mm -hmm. Um, so like there's a difference between like those waves of interests and just almost being stuck in a rut is what I would Mm -hmm. say and like I get stuck in ruts and I need people to tell me what's happening or remind me yeah and I think young people sometimes need the same thing yeah we can't see ourselves all the time
0: and again if we're talking about the context of the pandemic sometimes it's just the coping right right? you know that's what they're doing to cope right and um, they're not really saying that but maybe that's what we can infer but how long is too long when they're doing the same thing right when i think about like kids here I I think a whole year of them doing something the same similarly I think is fine Mm -hmm. like um, it's like I'm thinking a year and a half you know and and already I feel like I'm seeing a difference um, in some of the kids they're like coming out of their shell you know especially since some of the things that they're doing are actually we may not think of them as important but there's so much there that's like really interesting and it's like the possibilities again are endless um but yeah
1: yeah i think there's two pieces to well there's a lot of pieces to this but Mm -hmm. like first when a lot of times when parents are like i don't understand why my kid would watch anime all day or whatever it is like well have you tried doing it with them
0: Do you even know what anime is? Do you even know
1: what anime is? It's not
0: just anime, anime. It's like that just explains what the genre is. Right. There's stories upon stories upon stories. Yeah, we
1: know because we hear them all day long on Mondays. Yes, it's true. Um, But yeah, like have you sat down and really like watched what they're doing or done what they're doing or taken an interest in what they're doing and figured out... What's actually coming out of that and what Mm -hmm. could be interesting in that? And I'm not saying everything we do has to have a purpose, but if you're the anxious type who is like, they've been watching anime for a year, like, I don't get it. They're not learning anything. There's no meaning. And you want to find a purpose, you'll find a purpose. Mm -hmm. If you look deep enough at anything, you're going to see the learning there Mm -hmm. because it's everywhere. And sometimes the purpose is zoning out because you're so damn stressed at the world (laughs) that you need to zone out for a few hours every day. And that's a coping mechanism and that's okay too.
0: Well, I'm reminded easily of like my parents or my, yeah, my parents saying it was like, why do you just like that noise that you like playing? And Mm -hmm. it's like to them, it was just noise to me. It was music, but, to them yeah and and that's interesting it's that it's that thing where like they're worried about me but they're not um, or parents in general are worried but they're not willing to go and actually see what's there right they have like their own preconceived notions and and they have other parents to like perpetuate those preconceived mm-hmm. notions of what's actually going on it's like um and that could be really dangerous because it just separates you from your kid um, a lot.
1: Yeah, and we don't have to like what they like. Mm -hmm. We just have to accept it. Like, Yeah, you don't have to be the same person as them them, or even enjoy it. You just have to accept that that's what they like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking earlier that you don't have kids right now, and I think sometimes parents are like, I don't want to hear non-parents talk about parenting, but I feel the opposite a lot of the time because I I think that parents have I want I talk to parents about parenting things. I like having another parent's perspective, but I think parents often we have so much anxiety mm-hmm. about our kids' well-being that it's just like baggage which clouds our judgment about things. And talking to someone who doesn't have kids right now there's less baggage about it and right. less anxiety so there's like less clouding so i like that perspective because i feel like it's yeah not laced with the same level of anxiety
0: i think of um again like it takes a whole village right and, mm-hmm. and but when we were in situations where the kids lived physically in the same areas as other adults that they could easily access. not this we live in cubicles and have to drive to places or the only way to talk to people is through text messaging, but like kids could run around and interact with other parents and, 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 or other adults. Um, I wonder if the anxiety was there for parents uh, as much as it is now.
1: When it's not solely your responsibility to mm-hmm. make sure kids survive. Yeah. <laughs> there's probably less anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, Capitalism separates us, and then there's so much anxiety around it because we feel so separate and responsible. Uh,
0: Renaming this podcast to the Anti-Capitalist Podcast.
1: It's already (laughs) (laughs) pretty (laughs) obvious that Uh, that's what's happening. Because it
0: feels like almost every time we run to it, like, what's really going on? How (laughs) do we actually be together? It's like, well, capitalism, (laughs) Um, current infrastructure, um, yeah,
1: I mean, acknowledging the water we swim in, I think is important, but if you get so bogged down by like capitalism, 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 then it feels like it keeps us from trying to build our own worlds. Yeah.
0: And we are trying to build our own world. This is doing SDE centers and doing these things are actively is about actively fighting the system Mm -hmm. that was given to us or that we have to swim in. We're like building rafts, really lifeboats. lifeboats, like really with old wood and rotting rope. I don't know. Yeah, that makes me really <laughs> sad. <laughs> You're saying
1: our lifeboats are gonna just like topple over and In break the, down. It, yeah. <laughs>
0: We're gonna see. It's a. It's a. Yeah.
1: There's a hurricane. There's a
0: hurricane? <laughs> oh my god. I was thinking of a pretty picture when I was thinking that I wasn't thinking.
1: Then why did you say rotting wood and destroyed Rome for whatever?
0: There's beauty in everything, Bria. Come on. Okay,
1: that's true. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't. um, Okay, well, I guess I should mention the spicy little thing. And Mm -hmm. so recently, as in like yesterday. (laughs)
1: Oh, (laughs) so new.
0: Um. A lot of our kids here are neurodivergent, um, um, or coming from areas where they've been harmed by the schoolishness of society or schools in general. And uh, we go to the we went to like this parkour place, and right off the bat, the instruction was very schoolish. And what boggles my mind a little bit about all this is like, and I've seen it before with other forms of sport. Is that parkour and like skateboarding and like a lot of these other extracurricular activities, sports, whatever you call them, are like very fluid. They're mm-hmm. they're very independent. They're very self directed. They're right. very. Uh, it's all about experimenting. Right. And then you get an instructor who doesn't know, like
1: how learning works.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can understand like other other things. Like, team sports might need a little bit more structure to be mm-hmm. taught, you know. But this is, like, a very... It's, it's automatically a self-directed right. activity. Well, and, and
1: some kids and some people are going to ask for more structure. But, like, be there to uh-huh. be asked.
0: Long story short, the one of our kids got overwhelmed. Um, obviously, probably with the schoolishness. A lot of our kids already did. Uh, couldn't hang. Uh, has... Sort of just decided to, you know, leave the situation. Got really mad. Um, went outside and, and kicked a fence and was just yelling. But
1: was it a sacred fence?
0: <laughs> I wish.
1: Sorry. It is
0: now. <laughs> um, and the instructor came out and just like berated him and, and started to um, to uh, threaten to call the cops and on this on this kid. And it was like. Yeah, it was really hard for the facilitators. It was very hard for... Because I wasn't there, but it was very, very detailed communicated. Uh, It was obviously very hard for the the child. And I don't know. I just... I got angry. Partly because the idea of threatening anybody with calling the cops to me is abhorrent. Um, Mm -hmm. And the kid is not a child of color. But automatically I went there. I was like, what if this was a child of color in... Do you even know what that means? Mm-hmm. The instructor is like a veteran for whatever that means. But I just imagine, okay, maybe there's like some, you know, very structured ideas of what it is to instruct. And, you know, he did it to teach the kid a lesson, which is and, and not only that, that I started thinking about it because when you don't have a relationship to, with kids, who do you go to? You go with the people and talk to the person. Is like, I see something's something wrong happen. You know this kid. What should I do? What can we do? And, and these things can be worked out. And then this instructor just, and as all his toxic masculinity just came out and be like, I run this show. You don't get to do that here. If you keep doing that and quote-unquote vandalizing, then I'm going to call the cops on you. And it's like, the fuck? <laughs> it's <laughs> like... And, and then later on, someone called him out on Facebook, and he's like, well... Um, it was like... He was... He was probably gonna hurt somebody. He. It doesn't matter if he's like. He
1: said the f word twice. He
0: said the f word twice. <laughs> doesn't As matter if, if that
1: fucking matters. It
0: doesn't matter if he's like eight or sixty-seven. You know, still dangerous. You know, uh, his quote-unquote. He didn't quote-unquote this. He said this. His handlers weren't figuring this out. It's like, okay, you just dug your own grave on this one, dude. Um
1: you're betraying all your thoughts and feelings about young people when you call adults handlers yeah. of young people.
0: What how dare like how did you even get to this position? Like were you this is where the schoolishness sort of like around I'm sure he's got kids from other schools coming in and then like teachers I'm not going to put all blame on them, but they'll probably be like, listen to the instructor, you know, make sure, and you know, power trip, power trip, and authority, and you know, we come in with like, look, these kids don't, that's not how they roll. They
1: don't want to <laughs> take your crap, yeah. but they're actually going to show they wanna, you.
0: They want to play. They're good with you telling them, this is how it works and stuff, but they're not, it's, this is not what you've, and so, yeah, I, I'm sure he's, probably the first time he's ever dealt with something like this where no one takes his side. The, the adults don't take a side. So anyway, I, I did the whole called out on, on social media and people are like super mad about it. And I don't know. I just, I think, I think why it matters to me and I, I know why it would matter to everybody else, but the whole, the cop thing just put me over the edge and, uh, when we talk about authority, when we talk about, I, and probably I'm just like reeling back from what, what, what also happened recently in the mass mm-hmm. shootings and then learning that the cops could have done more. And mm-hmm. obviously it's no surprise, but, um, and it affects me personally cause these kids look a lot like my cousins. They look, mm-hmm. you know, my, I am afraid to bring it up with my own family because I don't want to have super emotional talks with them and my, my mom like breaking down or something. And, um, so I'm, I'm sort of like keeping myself at bay enough to like process the whole thing that had just, had just happened. But then to hear this from this guy, it's just like, I have no, no sympathy, no empathy for him. Like I just, and I know I shouldn't, I don't have to, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the spicy topic.
1: <laughs> Was someone saying they're going to call the cops? At this point, especially days after that happened, when we have story after story of how the cops treat kids in schools, Uh it just, it seems like a hate crime. Like even, you said it was a white kid, so they're Uh a lot safer, but still kids are treated horribly in schools by cops and everyone who is not on the cop side are treated pretty poorly by cops. And it feels like a violent threat and trauma-inducing, and yeah, it's like it feels like a criminal act, it <laughs> like does. violent criminal act against us.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Especially to say to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I bet that person would have said that to an adult. I'll yeah. call the cops on you to teach you teach you a lesson. So I don't necessarily know how much of it is rooted in adultism. Probably doesn't help, but.
0: I mean, uh, I think. When you, yeah, teaching a kid a lesson, I'm sure it's rooted in a whole, 100% in adultism. I think what's really interesting, sorry to cut you off, but was like, like his basis was, you're vandalizing my property, so therefore I should call the cops to teach you a lesson. And it's always... Was
1: anything wrong with the fence? I don't... He just kicked the fence?
0: Maybe it was a brand new fence. Maybe it was a sacred fence. Maybe like, maybe you work really hard on it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, he could have come out and said, I worked really hard on this fence. Yeah. Would you mind kicking that rock over there <laughs> or like something else? Because like the fence is really important to me. Like there's ways to deescalate Yeah, situation. Obviously he had none of those tools. And again, that's where if you know enough about any of this, you know to talk to the adults who do know the kid. Yeah. Because they have those tools and you know your relationship isn't good enough with this kid kid or this person to have any sort of good conversation with them, but he doesn't know enough to even do that. Right. Probably because, as you said, he's used to being in charge and he's used to teachers saying, hey, this person's in charge.
0: Mm-hmm. I the whole the whole thing about bringing cops into, I think we're so used to doing that, like, someone is destroying somebody's property or th- think they're being destroyed and so it's easy to call the cops. It's like Oh, no, that's so rooted in American law enforcement culture to the point, like, to bring it back almost to, um, weirdly, to what happened in Ivaldi, but, you know, learning recently that the cops actually don't, their first priority is themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not really there to protect you. Like, it's in the law. Look at, uh, what, what's it, town? Town of castle rock versus gonzalez um 2002 i believe uh where it was the supreme court basically said um it's not in their best interest to protect you even though they you you signed a uh, there was a um, restraining order against this person that you know, committed a crime against you but the police don't really need to do that because there wasn't property involved or something like that and i'm thinking now it's like people are gonna be up in arms about why did the cops do more in the Evaldi and they can just go back to the supreme court thing where it's like it's it's about it's about you know it wasn't property they, they or like they were afraid for their own lives so that's why and and it's just like i don't know i'm connecting all these things and maybe this is why i'm like super (laughs) mad
1: well that's their legal defense but isn't there some collective awareness gaining about the purpose of cops yeah we all find out like they're actually there to protect themselves and property and that they have legal justification to protect themselves first and foremost even though their entire job is serve and protect and they're Literally. supposed to come in to protect us like that's the
0: idea about ourselves,
1: <laughs> right <laughs> so maybe there will be some collective awareness building of like oh this is actually the deeply rooted cultural mm-hmm. purpose of cops right
0: right I mean and, and just hearing from the way they're being trained is that that's their first job is to protect themselves don't go into danger if you feel like you're going to get hurt and yeah, I mean, obviously then that makes sense why anytime anybody tries to do to it, anything to any building on, as a protest, they'll come in with tear gas and tanks. And, you know, it's like rubber bullets straight to you. But anytime anybody feels in danger by anybody else, they're slow to react. Um, so yeah. We could when,
1: rename this the anti-capitalist, anti-police state podcast. Yes. Yes. But it is, it is interrelated and I think your trigger was stronger because of the cop thing but Mm -hmm. there's still this question of like how do we defend our kids autonomy and like right to self in public spaces like Mm -hmm. that like how do we talk to these people what do we say and is there any way to convey it in a way that actually changed their minds about how they see kids
0: Um, I'm fine I mean in this particular case, I felt, you know, I have to be super happy that the two facilitators there were there to begin with to even confront this and, and talk to the guy. Um, I think I would have, I talked to this with my other coworkers, like what, what I have done, uh, I probably would have left a lot sooner, you know, but um, just because there's, I find much less sympathy for white men who throw away their authority, throw around their authority like that. And, yeah. I'd be like, okay, nos vamos, niños, ya nos vamos. <laughs> Let, let's get the fuck <laughs> out here. Time to go. Time to go. I'm done. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm still processing it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think I find a, like, need to stay there and mm-hmm. say something about these kids' rights. Like, it almost like it's my fight or flight response is to like fight Mm -hmm. (laughs) in those situations because even if they're maybe not gonna come away with anything different like i need to stand up for these kids in this situation right Mm -hmm. now because i need them to hear that i am on the kids side they're not treating them well and it's not okay with me
0: well even like walking for me maybe i have a lot of like pent-up um frustration or, or or i don't know what the other word is but like sometimes i walk in we walk or the kids walk into like a plaid pantry and mm-hmm. the and the and the convenience store owners are like nope just 3 3 or 2 at a time and i'm like they're with me you can't do that that's not legal um and i just you know i i mean mug them <laughs> it's like yep cuz i i hate that you know um i understand where it comes from but yeah I, i'm just i have such a such a i don't know what it is what's it called but it's super frustrated by displays of authority mm-hmm. in all forms so yeah
1: when those adults do expect the adults to take their side yeah i remember that like i'll tell this flying squad story when we were in a museum and we were at the bottom like basement level um and there were school groups around and i had about three or four kids and there was this like bullying at school exhibit mm-hmm. and there was a question that said what should you do about bullying at school and of course our unschoolers were like you know who bullies at school it's the teachers
0: <laughs> um nice
1: so there were sticky notes and they're writing these things on the sticky notes like kids oh. should stand you remember this yes, I yeah remembered. kids should stand up for their rights tell the teachers no we won't do our homework one of them was even like swear at the teachers yell at the teachers, like there were all these things about, like, standing up and saying, no, we won't accept what school uh-huh. is telling us to do and what, like, these adults in the schools are telling us to do. And they covered the board in sticky notes. And maybe one or two of them said butts or farts because uh, yeah, why wouldn't they?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we walked out of the room for a little bit and we came back and I saw this, like, elementary school, like, that's how old her kids were, a teacher taking down mm-hmm. our kids' sticky notes And I walked up and I was like, "Um, my kids wrote those, what are you doing? And she was like, well, these are not appropriate, Mm -hmm. don't you think? And I was like, I don't really agree with you. I think that they stated their truths and they're talking about things that they know happen in school. Mm -hmm. And like, I think they're perfectly fine. And it's not fair for you to take down my kids' writing. But I think she, like, these are not appropriate, don't you agree? Like, I think she expected me to read them and be like, oh, I had no idea Oof. they wrote that. These kid, and then scold my kids. And then she was like, oh, well, they're taking up all the space. They put, <laughs> they took up all the space. And I was like, okay, well, well then- I under, like, we understand that. I'm sure you could talk to them and let them know and ask them to take some of them down so that your kids have some space. So then I was like, don't talk to me about it. I'll help you negotiate with the kids. Facilitate. Yeah, (laughs) I will facilitate a conversation between you and the people who did this and they are very reasonable young people and they will understand and I'm sure you can come to an agreement. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just, I don't even remember what she said, but she got all huffy, and then her kids started coming around the corner, and she clearly needed her kids to not see the notes. It was like, if they saw it, then maybe they would, you know... Right.
0: They would also join in on the revolution. Right? <laughs> or they would
1: be like, like a seed would be planted yeah. in their mind, like, oh, maybe teachers shouldn't teach, like, treat me that way. So she just, like, shoved the sticky notes back at us, and she was like, let's go, kids, and took her kids out of the place before they could see it. Wow. And it was... I, like, I was, like, shaking, because confrontation is hard.
0: Yeah, especially when you're trying to defend, like, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But I'm glad it worked out that way, because, I mean, she probably didn't learn anything. She just thought I was this horribly misbehaved adult, but...
0: Horribly <laughs> I, I really misbehaved.
1: I don't know. It's I let my kids to... write farts on stinky <laughs> notes, but, but I like, they saw me standing up for them, and... I believed everything I said and I gave the teacher a chance to like negotiate with the kids mm-hmm. and said like, this isn't a conversation between adults. This is a conversation between the people involved.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But there's just those, I mean, I have so many of those stories like over and over again. And I think sometimes it's hard and sometimes we'd just rather back down and leave. And if it depends on what place we're in and that's okay if that's where you're at, but just learning how to say that to other adults and just like shock adults when you're like actually I'm not automatically on your side just because we're both berating kids like I will not berate the kids
0: I think I you know when you said sometimes we just like try to not be in the confrontation I think I've catched myself doing that a lot too Mm -hmm. but I think it comes from like this knowledge of that I am not I am easily recognizable like I am a different skin color. Um, you know, I, I know the way I look and so therefore I'm easy to pick out. And so if I confront people, it's easy to know who confronted that person. Mm -hmm. And so I've lived my life a lot trying to be under the radar. So I don't, you know, pick up anything. I don't, I'm not picked on, uh, for things that I didn't do or, or just for being myself, you know, it's just, I've already just developed a way to live under the radar and in these situations when I'm like, so when I want to actually confront authority because I'm defending others, sometimes I wonder if I, f- if I do that unknowingly where I just also fly under the radar and sort of are with the kids under the radar and I don't want to do that, you know? Mm. And, um, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on who the kids are, too. But, yeah, it's one of those things I've been learning myself about myself. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And if you're not in that place or it's not safe for you, Mm -hmm. like, that's okay. There's also ways to tell your kids later, like, you were not treated right and I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. But that situation was dangerous or it was better to get out of there or I'm sorry I didn't stand up in the moment. I wasn't ready. But like I still want you to know I'm on your side and that wasn't okay. Like.
0: Right. Right.
1: There's always other ways to convey that.
0: Like um yeah, you don't always want to deal with security people. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to assess what's actually like safe and what's worth it and what isn't.
0: I like how we start with like how do we nudge kids to How do we protect them from everyone else?
1: (laughs) 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 Right. Oh, well, there's so many layers. I mean, it's all... I guess we're talking about facilitation and parenting right now. Mm -hmm. And the layers of being in self-directed education and how to be a parent and facilitator and how complicated that is.
0: Yeah, I think... um, I don't know, sometimes maybe the re- the willingness not to j- nudge kids is because I don't want them to deal with, like, the unfair things of the world by themselves either. Um, go to this, like, yeah, it's like nudge them to go to a parkour place and crush and be like, go here, it's wonderful, and then deal with this asshole.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Well... You're never going to know if an experience is safe no, <laughs> or real, okay no. until you try it. That's the other thing. All right, I'll out myself really quick. Sorry, radical unschoolers oh, are no. going to get really mad in a second. Um, yeah, or any unschoolers. But
0: Turns out she's trying to be a cop.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to be a cop with <laughs> my kid. Um, a couple months ago, my partner and I decided that our son needed to try something. Mm-hmm. Like any sport any physical activity, like anything. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, didn't want to, but we made a list with him of like everything we could think of from like archery, swimming, team sports, whatever. And he narrowed it down. He doesn't want to do team sports. Um, and he picked something and it wasn't like, it wasn't like you can decide not to do that. Like we were very much like, we want you to pick something. Mm hmm and we want you to go and you might not be comfortable going and we've like i'm writing about this too but we've like took steps to make sure it was as comfortable as possible for him Mm -hmm. like i wanted him to jump into a class he's like i don't want to take a class starting next week and commit to six weeks i was like you're right we shouldn't make you do that let's just go to this one thing Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't Like, we didn't really give the option for him not to go. We were like, how do we help you make this as comfortable as possible so you'll try something? Mm -hmm. But if he went and it was awful, he wouldn't have to go again. Like, we're not going to keep making him go to something that's awful. But sometimes we all go to something and it's awful, and you don't know until you show up.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, like, it's not, I don't think it's your fault or any parent's fault for trying out this parkour place when you don't know any better. Right. And then you're like, sorry, that happened that way. We will never have to go there again if it's not where you want to be.
0: Right. Or they our have great yeah, to Our go friends will write reviews. Yeah, our friends
1: will write reviews so we can protect other people from this situation. <laughs> um, but I think it is okay to say, like, let's try this once. Right. Especially knowing our kid who's like, I don't want to try anything once. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so used to experiences being scary. So the more he has that aren't scary, the more comfortable he gets.
0: Right. YOLO, you only live once to try it. <laughs> I'm sorry. But
1: we did force him, right? I mean, that's the...
0: I, I per- Perhaps force is not what you did. It's just you... It's kind of like... I don't know if we want to go into, like, legitimate versus illegitimate authority. There you go. The, il- the legitimate authority of this is that you knew that... At the end this would be helpful and this would you sort of took leadership in that way right look you have to try something we'll figure it out and then because i think this is a really good idea and i mean something worked out
1: yeah i mean he we went rock climbing and he loved it and we could go rock climbing and he hated it right and then he'd try something else you know and that's an okay end to the story too Right, right but and now he goes every week but, like, it is, it's kind of us asking him to trust us. Yeah. And I think five years ago, we would not have asked him to trust us like that. And mm-hmm. now we have that relationship where we can ask him that. And he did. Like, it wasn't a horrible power struggle, like, break down, crying, scream, like, whatever thing. He went and he was okay trying it. And right. it was fine. Um, but it, I feel like it is a request, as you said. It's a request for him to trust right. it and trust that he can back out if it really doesn't go well.
0: He has, uh, you have developed enough of a relationship and closeness to be like, they're not here to hurt me. Right. But they really want me to try. And, yeah. say, and I'm going to try because I love them.
1: Yeah. And some kids try everything and you actually have to remind them like maybe you should slow down because you're yeah. so stressed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you're asking them to trust you. So it's also different with every personality. Extroverts. <laughs> I mean, I tried everything as a kid. I want I do think
0: everything. that I know but it's such a f- not a normal thing to do with kids still. I I I think it's interesting cuz we're so used to forcing kids because we're the, the, there was already like an unspoken authority with, within parent and child, and um I think it's great that you do it a completely opposite whereas like relationship first mm-hmm. request and uh, see where it goes yeah um but yeah
1: I yeah. remember a semi unschooly, like kind of in this world parent like I met them through an s e center and we were talking and they're like, so are you going to put Raiden in sports? And just those, those words, like, are we going to put Raiden in sports? (laughs) I was like, if he wants to do sports. Right. (laughs) uh, Like we might nudge or suggest again, but like, I would never put my child in sports as if that's my thing to put him in. Right. And even that language was just a shock coming from these people who are like, kind of doing this.
0: So we're at time now.
1: <laughs> Has it been an hour?
0: Uh, Almost. Okay. Yeah. Any final thoughts?
1: No. no <laughs> do, final you, thoughts? do you have a bow to put on all of um, It's all complicated. It's
0: all complicated. It's uh, different
1: with every person ag- and again, kid.
0: Again, we go back to relationships first yeah. um, is the most important thing. And then we can, I. that's probably the thing I take away the most is that, If you have a relationship, you can actually make requests and you can, you'll, you'll have a better time at nudging, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um,
1: and if you're coming out of like being a authoritarian parent or having kids in school, like it takes a long time to repair. So give yourself space and time for that. And yeah, space and time. Cause you need to like repair and develop that relationship in a different way before you can have these. The kids are such,
0: they're so expecting you to act a certain way. And if you're trying to change the way you do things, it's going to take time. Yeah. And I'm, it's going to take a lot of time for that guy. (laughs) Sorry. Still mad.
1: (laughs) And forgive yourself when you mess up because we're human too. Yeah. And if it's all like guilt all the time about like something you said to your kid or something you regret, that's not helpful. You have to forgive yourself too.
0: Yeah, I don't think um, I don't really prescribe to the idea that uh, that or subscribe. I don't know what the word is to the idea that you do one thing is going to it's going to tr- damage your kid for the rest of your life. There's there's it's like a all, pattern that yeah, damages. Yeah. Right? Yes. Not? Yes. Um, you know, even with my parents, they've done stuff in the past that were not okay. But and in many ways, yes, things are damaged. But this is a little different. Uh, they came from a very different culture. Um, but I still love them because there's I can see the changes and mm. and um, so yeah, forgive yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I have.
1: We're human too.
0: You're human. I don't know about me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And (laughs) we're done. Thanks, everyone.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye.